This is a Sci-Fi Rewind with Miles P. McLaughlin and Scott Herzog. Welcome to the Sci-Fi Diner Podcast. This is a Sci-Fi Rewind number 18. I'm one of your hosts, Scott Herzog. Good evening, I'm Miles Pinglotman. And we have a very special guest with us tonight. Uh, with us is Mr. Jim Arrowwood. How are you doing, Jim? I'm doing very well. Very good. And we've, of course, heard your voice on the Sci-Fi Diner Podcast numerous times. But it's good to have you on board here as an, as an actual guest talking about Total Recall. Yeah, I should probably let everybody know my handle on the show is usually Galus, so... Right. Yeah, but your, vo- your voice is unmistakable. Come on. You have a great Oh, well, voice. thank you. <laughs> great In re- a world where... <laughs> yeah. In a world where... Um, before we go any further, just so you know, we, we will be rewinding for our next show, Logan's Run. And so we'll be... Logan's Run will be probably toward the end of July, I'm guessing. Or maybe the beginning of August, because our end of July is kind of crazy with short leave and stuff like that. So it might that be true. might be August. But Logan Vern will be doing. But tonight is all about Total Recall. Mm-hmm. Um, now, I assume you guys had, had had a chance to watch this, right, Miles? I watched it this afternoon in, 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 to, to prepare for this. Very good. And uh, and Jim? Yeah, I've uh, I've uh, actually looked at it three times. Oh wow! So, so if we if we need to defer to an expert, we go to you then, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't go expert, but uh, okay, I'm, I'm knowledgeable, familiar with it, N- knowledgeable, right? Knowledgeable. I'll take that. That's right. So, um, before we get into anything, let's let's talk about uh, impressions here in our rewatch. Mm-hmm. And uh, Jim, why don't we start with you? Tell us a little bit. You, you, so, you watched just three times fairly recently. Uh, what were your impressions going back and watching a movie that's what nineteen ninety it came out? So, we're talking about a movie that's thirty well, not twenty two years old. How how did this feel for you watching it again? Well, you know, when I first started watching this, I I really didn't appreciate it the first time through. But as I continued to watch it, it kind of grew on me a little bit. I should probably let you know that I played this in my theater. Uh, I ran a movie theater at that time and played it. And it didn't do really well in my house in spite of the fact that it did well in the theaters in general. Uh, but I'll tell you what. Uh, Last night was the last time I watched it, and it, it really um, it really did come through uh, how well it was done. Hmm. Uh, go ahead, Miles. I saw this in the theaters uh, pr- pretty much shortly after it came out. Um, it might have even been on my birthday. I'm not not sure. It was around right around my my, my birthday at the time when we saw it, and. At the time, I, I thought it was you know, um, great action flick. Um, you know, good Arnold Schwarzenegger flick. I my I probably was not quite my. I, I'm not trying to you know 
toot my own hair, but as far as saying how sophisticated my eye was in, in, in picking up what was going on as it is now. Um, and so I, there's some things maybe I didn't get quite right away when I first saw it that, you know, I, I got more when I saw it this, this time around. I mean, I've seen it several times since, since then, but, um, I try to pay more attention to try to get more out of it. And so it was, it was, you know, it was a fun, fun movie to watch back in 90, but I'm trying to you know appreciate more for, for, you know, it's artistic value. Yeah. I think one of the things that really stuck out to me watching it again here was, you know, we talk, we go back and we go, we look at the movies from the eighties and the seventies and we say that the pacing many times seems slow. I know I, I noticed that in Terminator that uh, while it was a steady pacing, it was it seemed to be slower. It took a lot uh, longer time to tell the story, but I, I felt like, you know, it, uh, talk about a movie that has quick pacing for its time that makes a really good treadmill movie. Total Recall did that for me. Mm-hmm. At least I felt that the pacing was fairly quickly. So one of the things that hit me right away was that the pacing of this movie has held up, at least for me. Yeah, I would agree. I mean, as far you know, the the whoever penned the screenplay made it move at a good pace. I mean, it's it's. It, I think the running time is that was just, Gary Goldman, by the way. Okay, well. Just under two hours, but it's going to be a very f- quick two hours. Yeah, you're, you're wonder where the time went by. Yeah. Uh, any any comments on that, Jim? Yeah, I'd I'd have to agree with that. The pacing it starts out right away with the action, and it does not stop. It doesn't slow down. So, yeah, the pacing was definitely a, a factor that that helped to bring me around with it. Right. Well. Before we go into too much about some of our favorite scenes, lines, things that we like, maybe didn't like in it, uh, let's let's go through just some of the stats. This movie came out, as we said, in on June first. So actually, we aren't that far from that. June first, nineteen ninety. So twenty two years ago, it was in theaters, mm-hmm. and um, the domestic total for that brought in slightly over a hundred. It was a hundred a hundred million. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, uh, it, like in with foreign, with foreign, uh, the foreign gross worldwide brought in twenty six million, twenty six hundred million. Is that right? Twenty six hundred, two hundred six, two hundred sixty one. Yeah, two hundred sixty one million. So it brought in a fair amount of money, and mm-hmm. I think I, I saw the uh, production budget of this being around sixty five million. So it made money. Yeah, definitely made money, mm-hmm. um, and. Directed by uh, Paul Ver- Verhoeven. Is that the way you say his name? That sounds who, like a good who? pronunciation. No, uh, I'm gonna, yeah. I can never get pronunciations right. Um, but it, it did very well and got nominated for sound in Oscars. Got some Oscar nominations in that. Um, was ranked, uh, as an, it's ranked as the number two Philip K. Dick movie based on that. And uh, did well. Yearly opening weekends in 1990 was number one. And was number two as being the yearly R-rated movie, and worldwide yearly was number five. So, so, but that's just some of the stats from the movie as far as it made money for him. You know, nowadays if it would do that, we get a sequel. So, uh, yeah, they they would jump on a sequel right away. Well, the, they did. It just took them twenty two years. Well, yeah, that's did, not, oh, wait, yeah, <laughs> they're making a sequel. No, they're making the more authentic one this time. I oh, guess. Okay. No, I don't know with Colin Farrell, but mm-hmm. one of the reasons we're doing this, but. Uh, but still did very well. Right. And was a, you know, obviously Arnold Schwarzenegger was on his, you know, 
at its prime then. Oh, very much so, right? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. I think I saw this in VHS. You guys were talking about seeing it in a theater. I didn't see it in a theater. I think I saw it in VHS. Mm-hmm. So. But, um, yeah, my cop. Go ahead. What I watched was on Blu-ray, and it's uh, it's pretty amazing how well something that was that old translated over to Blu-ray. It was very, very sharp and clear. Yeah, that was my experience too. I got it for Blu-ray on Christmas, for Christmas a couple of years ago, and uh, that was the first time I actually watched it on Blu-ray. So yeah, I just watched mm-hmm. it on DVD. It looked good then. So, <laughs> um, <laughs> but hey, it was still good. Um, so let's let's begin to dissect this movie a little bit and uh, do you have a place you want to start miles i i thought while watching there's a couple things i was watching for but this didn't this didn't strike me right away but only until i started watching it, it was it, to me it feels like almost the end of an era as far as how they make big sci-fi blockbuster movies um this is still before the advent of of CGI. They may be using some CGI, but it's not nowhere on the grand scale that it is now. And so a lot of the effects are still effects. They're not, you know, you, you think of when, when our heroes are, are in the Martian desert and they're exposed to the, the atmosphere and you see their, their faces expand and stuff like that. I, I assume they, they, they built some kind of puppets or something for that effect. Today, that would be a CGI effect. Oh, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, just, by the way, that scene, mm-hmm. anytime they showed those scenes, those scenes still wig, wig me out today. I can't watch them because they just are gross. You know, eyes popping out of the head. I'm like, yeah. Ugh. They're, they're, they're oh, still, yeah. Yeah, they, they, that still holds up as far as just, you know, a wigging you out. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, it just it, to me it just felt like an end of a way of making movies. It just you know it just still had that old. When I say old, I mean it's only twenty two years old. But it just there's just a different. They make movies a lot differently now. Since I would say since Terminator uh, Two, I mean it just feels like feels like the technology has changed so much. After that, there, there's, to me, it looked like they're using older technology to make this movie. I guess the question comes up here, Miles: Did the effects hold up for you? Well, to me, they did. I mean, I, 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 I could see where maybe somebody a bit younger may look and think that's a little old school, but, um, you know, it. I could still, I still enjoyed, still enjoyed it immensely watching it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Jim, how about for you? Well, the only. Uh, to add to what Miles said, the only CGI scene in the film, in the reading that I've done, it says where the, the uh, screen is, where they show the skeletons, where they check everybody for weapons. That was the only CGI in the entire film. And, uh, but yeah, the special effects, if you look back on them today, it's, uh, it is very old school. But for the time, I'm sure it was really state of the art. And if you were watching it on a 35 millimeter film, they would look a lot more realistic uh, than they do today in, in the high definition. Hmm. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, that's true too. I think uh, you brought up a good point, Jim. I mean, as far as the, when the, that security, big security monitor, I think that was a that was a first as far as doing something. I, I saw that. It's like that. Now that's pretty cool. I mean, watch them go. You know. 
this this giant you know flat screen X ray machine basically. I mean, I, I remember reading somewhere that that set them back as far as using that effect. You know, one yeah. of the, one of the things that it was noticeably absent for me, even though it was there, and maybe this maybe this is a testament to how well it worked in the movie is there were no real strong musical themes. And I know that Goldsmith has gotten criticized for this uh, to some degree that there was – even though he said there was, mm-hmm. it, it, the music really kind of worked well to create an atmosphere, a, no pun intended there, but an atmosphere, a background for the movie mm-hmm. and really didn't overshadow anything and became really just part of the script in a way. Because I don't remember any real you know, piece, sweeping piece that really kind of summed everything up. That's true. I mean, the music yeah. is com- almost, I hate to say forgettable, but it's just not, nothing but, stands out. But I'm not sure if that's a bad thing here. This means for me, that just means that it's working in the movie and isn't overshadowing anything. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jim, go ahead. You were going to say something. Yeah, you're absolutely right. Uh, Goldsmith did not want his music to become a character in the movie. Now, if you take like Star Wars, for instance, uh, when you had Darth Vader come on, he had his theme. Luke had his theme. Leia had her theme. Uh, the music that Williams did for those movies was almost another character to let you know. I think what Goldsmith did was he tried to create a backdrop for the film to uh, complement the film and not become another uh, a character or something that uh, kind of took over, you know. Yeah, I think you're at a good point. I mean, if you look at like Star Wars, there there are a lot of the music is a character of the movie. That's it, it. The music is is as iconic as the as the genre itself. Yeah, and in a way, becomes part of that character yeah. at the very least. Uh, well, so um, let's talk about some of our uh, some of our favorite scenes, or maybe our favorite characters. Let's start with scenes first. Uh, maybe we'll get into characters along the way as as well, but. Uh, what were some of your the, uh, the the scenes that are kind of iconic iconic for you? Hmm. Um, and uh, Miles, why don't you go ahead and start us out here? Um, it's a very brief scene, but you kind of, it, it, it's sort of going to play a big role in it. It's where Schwarzenegger's character's on the train, and he's with that guy. That guy said he used to work for that that mine. And he said until they found alien artifacts and you know, Shorten says, "Isn't that rumors?" And he goes, "Yeah, <laughs> you know, it's like, um, it, you know, just no. There, there's something really going on there, and um, you know, it's not a long scene, but it's just like that plays. You know, that's you know, that's the climax of the movie. Is this 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 these ancient alien artifacts? Right, right. Uh, Jim, how about for you? Do you, is there a scene that pops out for you as you look at this movie? Well, yeah. The the scene I kind of liked was when uh, Roy Brocksmith came in. Uh, uh, he was the head recall guy, and he's trying to talk Schwarzenegger out of uh, – or trying to convince him that he's in a dream and that he's supposed to take this this pill to uh, reset memory and everything. And then he started sweating, and then Schwarzenegger put a bullet through his forehead. So uh, I think that was a kind of a, a turning point, because until then, 
you didn't know was was Schwarzenegger was he dreaming? Was he uh, on this vacation that he tried to tried to go on, or was he actually uh, doing this? And at that point, I think it it was pretty well established that he was actually on Mars fighting for his life. I'll do it. Come in, Mrs. Quaid. Well, I suppose you're not here either. I'm here at recall. I love you. Right. That's why you tried to kill me. No. I'd never do anything to hurt you. I want you to come back to me. Bullshit. What's bullshit, Mr. Quaid? That you're having a paranoid episode triggered by acute neurochemical trauma? Or that you're really an invincible secret agent from Mars who's the victim of an interplanetary conspiracy to make him think he's a lowly construction worker? Stop punishing yourself, Doug. You're a fine, upstanding man. You have a beautiful wife that loves you. Your whole life is ahead of you. But you've got to want to return to reality. This is something I do. Then what? Swallow this. What is it? It's a symbol of your desire to return to reality. Inside your dream, you'll fall asleep. All right. Let's say you're telling the truth, and this is all a dream. And I could pull this trigger, and it won't matter. Doug, don't. It won't make the slightest difference to me, Doug. But the consequences to you would be devastating. In your mind, I'll be dead. And with no one to guide you out, you'll be stuck in permanent psychosis. Doug, let Dr. Edgemore help you. The walls of reality will come crashing down. One minute, you'll be the savior of the rebel cause, and the next thing you know, you'll be Cohagen's bosom buddy. You'll even have fantasies about alien civilizations, as you requested. But in the end, back on Earth, you'll be lobotomized. So get a grip on yourself, Doug, and put down that gun. Good. Now take the pill and put it in your mouth. Swallow it. Go ahead, sweetheart. Now you've done it. Now you've done it! Duck. Honey, you wouldn't hurt me, would you, sweetheart? Sweetheart, be reasonable. After all, we're married. Consider that a divorce. That was your wife? What a bitch. Yeah, you know, and that right after that scene is probably one of my favorite quotes was that, you know, Laurie has 
quote unquote wife comes in at the end of that scene and and she goes and after he takes care of this guy turns around and she says Doug honey you wouldn't hurt me would you sweetheart sweetheart be reasonable after all we're married <laughs> Lori goes for a gun and Quaid just shoots her in the head and he says consider it a uh-huh. divorce you know you know and Cons- <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's like it's just that, a, it's that just, was my favorite line. It is. It Sound has to be divorce. Yeah, it is. It is my favorite line, and and you know that. Although later on, they the the, the transmission that they have in was a, in, in 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 Hagen's office there when he's his other self speaks to him and talks about how he's used him to unveil mm-hmm. the. I guess the conspiracy or the Quato, I guess it is, or Quato. Mm-hmm. Right. You know, that, that whole thing. So there's a lot of twists here mentally that happen that you're like, ah, oh, oh. You know, there's a lot of oh, those moments that just kind of come up for me at least. Yeah. I think, I think one of my, one of my favorite scenes, um, and there are, there are a couple here, but one of my favorite scenes is, is, is the woman scene. So when he arrives on station, you see that the, the, the effects in that woman as she kind of splits apart and it's Schwarzenegger inside. Right. I thought it's iconic. It's kind of, it's kind of gross at parts, but mm-hmm. it's, it's kind of this iconic scene of him. When I think of Total Recall, it's one of the images that pops into my mind. fruits or vegetables onto the planet. Two weeks. Excuse me? Uh, two weeks. Two weeks. It's not just graffiti. The rebels took over the refinery last night. No Trevinian is going out. And it gets worse. The rebels... Oh, my God. 
Wait. Where? The woman. Get it. Her. Arrest that woman. Get that woman. Even before I rewatched it this time, I recall that scene. It was part of the movie trailer, just you know, show what kind of world he was living in. I mean, as far the kind of sophisticated disguise he was using, right? This you know, this mask or whatever. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, (laughs) yeah. So, uh, how about other scenes? Scenes that kind of uh, stick to come to mind. I mean, besides the brothel scene. (laughs) go ahead miles oh i'm just there's a scene that's really hard for me to watch even now it's when they're running from the guy who was was the taxi driver i mean he's obviously he's you know he's serving copagan but um when he's going after them with that that drill and seeing them get their shoulders the drill is starting to cut into their shoulders that's hard to watch where the fuck are you Even now, I, I almost have to avert my eyes because it, it's just—it's just bad. It's—it's yeah. it's well done. Don't, I mean, it's, but it's just—I mean, you think maybe you know they've averted all this much disaster, but how are they going to get out of this? I mean, you see this thing starting to, you know, cut start cutting their arms off. It appears. I mean, uh, it's just. Uh, yeah, that that one. Well, and, and I know what you're talking about. There's a scene like that for me too. I, my wife got me this movie on, uh, not on Blu-ray, but on uh, just DVD, about four years ago. And I sat down to watch it, and uh, the scene where Kwatu comes out of the guy's uh, abdomen. Right. I shut the I shut the thing off right after. That. I mean, well, right when that scene started, I couldn't handle it. I didn't want anything to do with it, and so yeah, some of the some of the things get kind of graphic. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it, it, I mean, there's no there's. I read somewhere that this movie originally they wanted to give an X rating to because of the violence. Oh my! And it, at the time, I, yeah, it, and, and they they reshot some of the, especially some of the subway scenes. Apparently, like when he's going up the escalator using the guy's body as kind of a human shield, right? Right. And they're they're kind of yeah. you know blowing into him. Apparently, that that scene, that whole shootout scene, was much more graphic than what we see. Over there! Hold it! He's over Don't there! Don't move! Get out of here! 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 Get out of here!
The escalator. You four go up. You come with me. to have an x rating according to what i've read too and uh i can i can see that in at that time how how a film like that would get an x rating uh, a lot of the uh bruce lee movies you know were a rated x really i don't know if i knew that i mean nowadays you, you're you're x rating you think okay well it's porn but but that's not the, necessarily the case mm-hmm. no not, not because you know in this movie there was well, there was a little bit of nudity, but very yeah, in the brothel, but that was about it. Yeah. Another scene that stands out in my mind as, as kind of ridiculous is you've got all these guys running around in pressure, in a pressure dome with fully automatic weapons. Right. <laughs> <laughs> but they know better. They know not to shoot at the dome. Oh telling you but you know of course there there would have to be some uh at that time with the rest of the technology that was around there had to be some kind of plasma weapon or something they could have used uh it just it just was kind of funny that here they're in a pressure dome using automatic weapons <laughs> well that's probably go ahead Miles. well along with that i'm thinking they would have some, you know, the tech, the technology would have some kind of shatterproof dome. I mean, that could stand up to, you know, if if you have this this thin piece of glass separating you from, you know, yeah, to- no. a to- toxic atmosphere. Um, you know, they would have something a little more sturdy that could, you know, but that 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 obviously they didn't. That was a theme as it's explored that you had this very fragile wall between you. Um, there's a couple times where uh, Michael Ironside is, you know, well, one time he does blow open, you know, and all hell breaks loose. And the scene later on where his, his, his right-hand man, he sees them climbing down a ladder. He's tempted to shoot it, but he's smart enough not to. And he has to stop Michael Ironside, right. you know. Yeah. You know, don't be we'll see. Mark, Michael Ironside, he's not real happy because his wife was assigned to act as Schwarzenegger's wife. And at the beginning of the movie, you can see they had quite quite the relationship. And uh, I suppose, you know, it, it didn't matter what um, uh, uh, Ronnie Cox told him to do. He was going to kill Schwarzenegger for uh, the relationship he was having with his wife. What's that one line? He goes, finally, you can let me kill him now. Yeah, something it's, like that. Like, yeah, it's about damn time or something. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. So when he's not brain wiped again, he goes, finally, you'll let me kill him. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. yeah. So uh, I think um, 
you know, you, you mentioned that that whole, you know, kind of unrealistic to be running around a, a, a fragile dome with projectile weapons, right? It's it's the same way. It's one of the things they said. Okay, yeah, the core of Mars is made of ice. You know, <laughs> yeah. You know, it's kind of this a bit far fetched. I, I I mean, it makes for a good story, but uh, you know, realistically, uh, I think even back in the nineties, they knew that the core of Mars was not ice. Uh, well, that's, why, that's why it's science fiction and not science. <laughs> that's right. Why not science fact in this case? There you, know, you go. Yeah, one of the other scenes that bothers me just a little bit, I can't watch, is when he shoves that thing up his nose to get the tracking bug out. Yeah, that's oh. a good <laughs> First, let's get rid of the bug in your head. Take this thing out of the case and stick it up your nose. Don't worry, it's self-guiding. Just shoved real hard. When you hear the crunch, you're there. Just pull it out. Be careful. It's my head, too. Yeah, just, yeah, that hurts. And then when when you hear it crunch, then you've gotten there. Ah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, yeah. There are there and, there and are the, some scenes in here that just definitely make you cringe. Right, and the rats running around. Yeah, then, <laughs> yuck. Well, you know the uh, you know kudos to them though. They do a good job with the con- the continuity. Like they, so they they don't just bring up like the. The hollow projection, like he's able to hollow project himself then, but then they utilize that later on as a as part of the story device when they're actually in the pyramid. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they don't overutilize it. I mean. But they but they but they but they build on it, they bring something in and then they you know they they kind of come back to it. So it's not like they're leaving a lot of loose ends. And I like that. Yeah, that's good. Yeah. Did you guys did you guys notice as you watched it the uh shameless advertising throughout the entire movie? Yeah, what in you mean, and especially like on Mars and also in the subway? Oh, yeah, everywhere. Yeah. I mean, Fuji film, Coca Cola, Pepsi, Coors beer. Yeah, wasn't Miller, it Hilton? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, Hilton. Hilton. Now, I did, I did, I did read somewhere that the advertisements that were in the subway tunnel were the actual advertisements that were there. Okay. In fact, one of the co- it, they were it was filmed in Mexico, Mexico City, the subway system there, and yeah. uh, apparently, like one of the ads, like one of the Pepsi or Coke ads, there still stands today. You can go see it. So, hmm. Interesting. But but yeah, so yeah, definitely tons of product placement here. Mm-hmm. Yes. Now, do do they make? Uh... Do they get paid for that from the companies to show that? Or? I was just going to ask you that since you did all this research. So I don't know. I'm sure maybe some of our listeners will know that. Typically, I think when product placement goes into like a TV series like Fringe and stuff, these people are kind of like advertising or sponsoring. And so you would think that the movie would get some sort of uh, kickback from it. You know, they're saying, okay, Schwarzenegger's in this movie. Let's put a Coke ad, a Hilton ad, and let's – Go there and maybe they get. I'm sure it's not free advertising. Yeah, I wouldn't think so. I, I wonder what the process is to get permission to show those products. Yeah. 
So I don't know. Yeah, maybe it's either permission or maybe the companies are paying to show their products. So I don't. I don't. Yeah, I'm not sure there. Yeah. Um, well, any other any other scenes before we move on from the scenes? The well, just very intense action from beginning to end. Um, you know, uh, that, that's probably something for this movie for back then. They really probably amped up um, as far as just you know Arnold evading these guys. It was just 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 fantastic action throughout the film, which which definitely you know made made, made the pace faster. Um, so, all, all, you know, each scene, you know, you, you, him running away the first time when he's on earth. And then when he gets to Mars a couple of times, um, it's, you know, it's, it, I could, I could see where this would be a good jogging movie. Right. Hmm. Right. Well, um, how about for you, Jim? Yeah, I, I think, uh, one of the things I really appreciated about it was the, the scenery of Mars itself. Uh, was very believable. And I understand the movie wasn't about Mars. Uh, I would have liked to have seen a little more of that. But uh, what I did see, you know, I could I could certainly see that happening uh, down the road. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, well, what do you think about the acting? So we don't. We talked a lot about the story and some of our favorite scenes and stuff. And I mean, Schwarzenegger, Schwarzenegger, right? Right. You know, he's not not the most uh, prolific speaker of lines. I mean, we watch him because he's buff and has action and and mm-hmm. has has good roles. But what? Let's talk about some of the acting here. What were some of your uh, maybe favorite acting moments or things that you found a bit far fetched? I mean, how how did that go for you? And Miles, go ahead. Um. This is this is this is another movie that plays to Arnold Schwarzenegger's strengths. I mean, um, he doesn't have to be he has he has to perform Shakespeare here. He could you know he can, he can be Arnold. Um, uh, the acting was all for, for what it was was all okay. I'm trying to think as far as I'm trying to remember anything that really stands out as being too over the top or bad. I, I can't really think of anything like that. Um, I'm trying. Um, as far this movie was a kind of almost a who's who of of '80s and '90s actors. I mean, there's a bunch of them I've, I recognize from Star Trek. I mean, um, Ronnie Cox. He's the main bad guy. Who could forget him playing Captain Jellico uh, mm-hmm. in Next Generation, and then also Senator Kinsey in, in Stargate. Um, there, there was um, uh, Mark Alamo. He played like the, the captain of the security force on, on Mars. I mean, he played mm-hmm. Dalton through Deep Space Nine. Um, the three-breasted prostitute. Uh, she was. She played Ensign Gomez in Next Generation for two episodes. I'm trying. There might. There might be a couple more. Um, uh, Michael Ironside. I mean, he's. He, you know. He's done tons of tons of stuff. This is this is another movie that plays to his strengths. I mean, he plays you know the heavy in this, and he does and he does it really well. We were we were around a movie with him, didn't we? What movie did he play that uh, we talked? We talked about him recently. Yeah, I'm sure. I don't. It's not coming to me. Um, All right, maybe it'll yeah, come later. Yeah, yeah. Sharon Stone was in it, obviously. This is what, yeah. I, this was this was before her big. This is probably was her her big break, I guess, as far as yeah. movies go. 
This was before mm-hmm. her. Uh, well, Basic Instinct. Basic Instinct was, was yeah. the thing that really launched her career. But this, Same director, by the way. Oh, okay. I believe so. Okay. Mm. And uh, the director said he got her back in Basic Instinct because he wanted her to show more skin in the Schwarzenegger love scene you know, early on in the movie, and she wouldn't do it. So, oh, so, well, they, 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 I mean, they had enough problems just trying to keep us at rated R. I think it was pretty, you know, <laughs> right, right, yeah, good idea. Right. But, uh, how about for you, Jim? What any 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 comments on the actors, the acting themselves? Well, uh, if I had a problem with any of the acting, it was kind of uh, Benny, uh, played by Mel Johnson Jr. I thought he was just kind of a little maybe over the top and kind of stereotypical of mm-hmm. an African-American uh, of that period, what a person would think they were. I I really didn't care for that part of it. I, I think my favorite that. actor in the whole thing, though, was um, was Ronnie Cox. Uh, he was right on as the, uh, as, as the cold-hearted businessman, just give me the money and – uh, leave me alone, you know. <laughs> right, right, right. You know, one of the things that I did notice in the in, in the acting was that I appreciated was here we have when when um, when Melina and Lori go at it. Mm-hmm. You know, when they fight, this is one of the first times you see a fight that's actually more martial arts style fighting between women rather than it being a cat fight. You don't see them pulling a lot of hair and stuff. I mean, there's this is a down and out slugfest. You're right. It yes. is. It's it, you're right. Go ahead. Very well choreographed. Very well choreographed. Yeah. And so I so I did appreciate it from that end of things. Mm-hmm. But yeah, now, now I think you're, you're probably right, Jim. Ben, Benny, unfortunately, was probably a little he, he stereotypical as far as African American characters. You know, he's a memorable character because of it. But at the same time, I, I, I agree. He, he, we are we are painting a, a stereotype mm-hmm. here. So. Um, oh, another, no, 20, um, another 22 actor. years ago, that was, I guess that was okay. I guess so. <laughs> I guess so. Yeah. He was very two dimensional. I mean, it was, I mean, well, you think, well, even though he ends up turning him on the end, I mean, he's still basically the same person. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. I don't know if he's credited, but Robert Picardo is the voice of uh, Johnny Cab. Oh yes. Johnny Cat, where can I take you tonight? Drive! Drive! Would you please repeat the destination? Oh, anywhere, just go! Go! Please state a street and number. Shit! Shit! I'm not familiar with that address. Would you please repeat the destination? Yes, it was going to be one of my trivia questions, but you knew that. Oh, okay. So, uh, but yes, uh, Johnny Taxi, Robert Ricardo, mm-hmm. so holographic talker. Right. So, um, we talked briefly about uh, quotes. Uh, what uh, were there any other quotes that stuck out to you as you went through the movie before we move in into uh, maybe some trivia? Or we can talk about some other things yet. How about for you, Jim? Uh, well, just uh, just all the way through, I I thought the script was pretty clear and uh, pretty good. Um. I guess another another well, another quote that kind of stands out that goes right along with the uh, Philip K. Dick story is how 
Schwarzenegger kind of lost his cool there in the uh, recall room and said, you blew my cover, you blew my cover. Uh, it, that that tied in real well with the with the Philip K. Dick story. You blew my cover! Right, right. We want to. I want to talk about that in just a second. Miles, you did not read the Philip K. Dick story. Right? No, I haven't. I did. So, so you, Jim, you and I will take a little diversion here and talk about it in just a bit. Um, one of the okay. quotes that stuck out to me that I really liked is one by Quato. He goes, "What do you want, Mister Quay?" Same as you, to remember. But I to be myself again. You are what you do. A man is defined by his action, not his memory. Wow. I thought that's I thought that's was talk about it in a, in an action flick, that's a very profound statement. And the whole theme is, you know, you, you wake up one morning and you realize you the person you think you are, the life you've lived, it's all a lie. You're actually this other person. Uh, but then this other person isn't the person you want to be anyway. That that ex- that explores another thing. Do you want to go back? I mean the, the person that you you were is malevolent, um, you know, a jerk. Um, and so you, even though the, your, your, the personality you have is artificial, is, you know, Maybe that's the better person. Maybe that may as person you want to still be. That's just that was an interesting thing they explored in this. That's one. I mean, as, as far as a sci-fi movie goes, is that that sci-fi can do is, you know, you wake up one morning and you realize you're not who you think you are, and so you and, and to explore that. Right. Uh, perhaps, but what if uh, what if Quaid was Quaid and then he was brainwashed into being Hauser? <laughs> and then Rupert brainwashed back into being Quaid. <laughs> uh, well, very true, and uh, you know we'll never know that. Mm-hmm. But but it certainly makes for an intellectual <laughs> exercise, certainly. Right. Uh, so, uh, Jim, you, Jim, you 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 uh, you read this story. You know, we will remember it for you wholesale, right? Phil Cape Dick, right? Uh, and tell us uh, what did you notice as far as the differences between the story that you know that this movie is based on and the and the and the in the movie itself. Well, one thing was that uh, Schwarzenegger, or the excuse me, the he would be called Quail in the story. Uh, actually, he did go to Mars, and he brought back artifacts with him. Uh, when he went into recall, uh, for one thing, they offered Schwarzenegger uh, some extras, post uh, things that they could. That to substantiate that he had actually been to Mars uh, in the story, um, Quail, he did want all of those uh, little perks that they added on, uh, postcards, films of him at, at, on Mars, all these other things to, to substantiate his story. Uh, another thing was uh, that uh, Quail... In, in Philip K. Dick's version, was actually married to his wife, and his wife left him because all he did was obsess about Mars. Right. And of course, then uh, there's the uh, 
the neat ending in the story uh, where you found you found out that his childhood dream of the alien invasion story was actually true. I know it's so, just kind of a fun twist at the end, which they don't touch it on. They don't touch on that at all in the in the uh, in the version of the movie that we have. You know, one of the things that also we need to establish is that in the story he does not go to Mars. The story itself is set entirely on Earth. Hmm. So after he, yeah. I mean, he has at one point been at Mars, mm-hmm. but not in the story. Okay, so, right. so it's a he's on you know. Two thirds of the movie takes place on Mars, but here it's entirely on Earth. And he was uh, when he when he was on Mars, uh, after, as the uh, secret agent, he had actually killed someone uh, on Mars who I, I assume would have been um, would have been the Ronnie Cox character. Yeah, That's before a, he was brought back to Earth, yeah, that would have been my guess. Um, so, that, so that's a little bit of a different. So, uh, and the other yeah, thing the is, film is go ahead. very loose. Very, the film is very loosely based on uh, on the Philip K. Dick story. Probably just the idea of memory implantation, and then the idea of Mars and being a secret agent. You kind of have that; those ideas kind of play in, but that's about it. Yeah, it was the screenplay was definitely intended to mess with uh, mess with the audience's mind. Right, right. Um, by the way, in the in the in the in the short story, he doesn't kill anyone. Oh, so so a little bit of a difference there. Well, like I say in this movie, I mean, I don't know if they set records for body count. They but... didn't, but I can. Do you know what the body count? You want to take a guess what it was? Oh, okay. Um, I'm going to say under thirty. Under thirty. What about you, Jim? Oh gosh. I would I'd say twenty five, between twenty five and thirty. Uh there the, I IMDB is putting it at seventy seven. Seventy seven. Oh. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yes. <laughs> so that's a that's quite a bit. But um you know, I, when I read I I read the story for the first time, Jim, probably uh, I guess five four days ago. And uh-huh. uh really enjoyed the short story, but it was different. It was definitely a different story, but I wanted to have it as a basis for us to talk tonight. So yeah, and then I I think if they had made a story uh, a movie about that story, I don't think it would have worked out as a movie quite as well. Well, yeah, you just I mean, especially for that time, if you're going to put Schwarzenegger in there, I, I mean this this has been uh, it's not it certainly was not the action story that we got. For Total Recall, the movie. And uh, so the question becomes when they're reinventing this with Colin Farrell later this summer, are we going to find something that's going to be truer to the Philip K. Dick story? And can we do that and still people are going to be expecting this to be an action film? Can we do that, keep it action-oriented, and keep it on Earth? One of the big complaints that I was hearing was like, oh, they aren't going to Mars. Mm -hmm. Well, they don't really go to Mars in the Philip K. Dick story either. Right. Right. I I think – um, probably, uh, I did read somewhere that it was supposed to stick a little closer to the original story. Um, hopefully what they don't do is use a lot of special effects to, uh, pump it up. Yeah. And yeah. Have you seen the trailer for the new one yet, uh, Jim? And as a matter of fact, I haven't. Okay. Uh, 
It's on my list to go to the theater and see, though. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's one of the ones I definitely want to see in the theater, so if I can. But yeah, but yeah, but I, I enjoyed the story. If you get a chance to read it, Miles, yeah. check it out. You can easily find it, I'm sure, mm-hmm. for your Kindle. Mm-hmm. So it's not bad. Uh, well, anything else to say about the movie before I take us into some trivia? We'll do some listener feedback and then wrap it up. Yeah, I got two things. When I watched it this time, I wanted to see if there were clues that for 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 Quaid, whether you know something was going on that his life was a lie, and so I tried to watch the characters more as far as the woman who played his wife, the coworker, and just you know if. if you know, when I was a lot younger when I first saw it the first time, so I didn't pick it up. But, you know, if you're watching those people in his life at that time, then you can kind of tell something is off. You just – the looks they give or just – you just – The way they manipulate him through the, way, the conversation. The way they dissuade him from, you know, you know, you know don't go to Mar- – you know, don't – forget about this Mars thing. Forget about the recall thing. But you just kind of see – the. You just smell a rat when you're watching, you know, the, the, these other people in his life. Another thing I was looking at was what were what these people think the future would be like. I mean, when they, when they made this movie back in the late '80s, it was, you know, what, what was going on in the movie that's kind of that they thought was futuristic, or we might look at it, it's futuristic now, or maybe that it's um, well, it's already here. I mean, you see, like when he's watching the news, it's it's on the, it's on the wall, but it's you know. We have flat screen TVs and flat screens, right? So that that's that's that that technology is here. Um, they even used a phone with a cord on, you know, oh, once, once in the movie. It was just you know that it just seemed, just seemed kind of little 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 old, but you know just but we still you know well, we still use phones with cords, but in offices and like, but um, most phones are cordless now, right? Um. I'm just trying to think what what was like futuristic. I mean that that X-ray machine when they're looking at the, watching the people walk by in the subway station. We almost we pretty much have that technology now in airports. Oh, airports, yeah. I mean they yeah. can you know if they're looking Johnny for, cabs. We don't have Johnny cabs. We, that's true. That's the one thing we don't have yet is the Johnny cabs. We need robot cabs running around. Come on, right? <laughs> explode when you don't pay them. That was another thing I, mean, I was thinking. You know. Um, that's not a very safe cab if it you know if it explodes around impact. Right. We basically it means don't piss off Robert, Robert Cardo, right? Robert Ricardo, right? Right. <laughs> um, but. So that, those are some you know when I was watching it this time, trying to you know see what things were out there as far as uh, cl- were, there, were there were there clues early on that you know what was going on with Quaid and and also as far as what they thought the future would be like, how much of that is you know. You know that technology. I mean, what what do we have now that that was in the movie or and stuff? Right, right. Um, the spaceship to get to Mars. We see it very briefly. Mm-hmm. That was kind of cool. Yeah, it really isn't isn't really touched on much as far. I mean, obviously, it's not integral. It's not integral, but they, they obviously in the future, um, space. Tra- you know, space travel has you know advanced quite a bit. Yeah. I did notice the the moons. Of Mars, so they had the two. Uh, was it Dimitris and Phobies? Is that the name of it? I believe oh, those okay. names of the move, moons. Are Phobos similar. and Demios. What is it? Phobos and Demios. Okay, so I had them close, but mm-hmm. but yeah, those those two moons that are that are there. So they they showed them in the one shot. 
Mm. So that was kind of cool. How about for you, Jim? What were some, uh, anything else you want to touch on before we move into some trivia and some feedback? Well, going along with, with Miles, uh, the, the technology in the future, it wasn't all that futuristic. Uh, again, you know, the, the weapons they were using, uh, just Uzis. <laughs> right. Um, the uh, the television, the readout screens, those kind of things. Um, uh, one thing that I was uh, wondering is how they were going to resolve the uh, the terraforming issue, and and I think to me that was kind of disappointing. Uh, I I enjoy science fiction and I enjoy real science too, and an ice core on Mars, as you mentioned before, just just kind of took it down a little bit. I thought the ending was anticlimactic. Right. Um, but otherwise it, I, it was a fun movie. It is, it, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a fun ride through it. And while the hard science doesn't stand up worth a darn, there's no way you're going to get a blue sky and Mars that fast, you know, no. yeah. <laughs> or, or breathable air that fast, you know, get rid of all, where, where did all the other air go? Right. Yeah. Uh, you yeah. know, that, it's just uh, while it has some issues, it was certainly a, certainly a fun ride and well worth seeing yes. if you haven't seen it. Right, but if you're yes. still listening to this and haven't seen it, but uh, yeah. Well, let's move into some trivia then. I have uh, a little bit of trivia, and uh, and uh, we'll see if you, how closely you paid attention. Maybe, and some of this will just be trivia. Uh, Johnny Cab whistles a song. One, uh, during one of the first uh, cab drives. So Johnny Cab, the one that Robert Carter's voicing. Um, do you know what national anthem he's whistling? No, I don't. Don't Jim? know. Uh, well, you got me. Uh, <laughs> hey, that, that's hard. It's a, it's, a, it's a Norwegian national anthem. Oh, okay. I don't know why, but that's the um, – just a little bit of a note, the, 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 uh, the fat lady – who Quaid dresses up as to get into get onto Mars? The passport he hands a guard is the actual passport of Priscilla Allen, who plays the fat lady. Oh, mm-hmm. so actually, mm-hmm. that. Um, you see, we talked about the ads already. We talked about the X rating. Uh, we talked about the body count. Um, Um, by the way, do do you know why they named? This is what I at least what I read. Do you know why they, the the original act the character's name in the Phil K. Dick story is Quail? Do you mm-hmm. know why they changed it to Quaid? Is it think about think about nineteen ninety? Nineteen ninety, um, Quail Quaid. Um, Dan, oh, oh the, Dan uh, Quail, yeah, uh, yeah, uh, yeah. They, the uh, vice president, yeah, vice Dan president. Quayle. Yeah. Yep. So they got they changed it because it was too much like, like Dan, Dan Quayle. Right. So. Ah. <laughs> yep. So uh, during a Quaid's recall orientation, the monitor momentarily shows an illustration of a green Martian. Do you know what this is from? No. I think John mm-hmm. Carter. Edgar Rice Burroughs and his writings on the Mars. John Carter on Mars and that okay. issues. Okay. So it's from that. So they show that real briefly. Mm-hmm. Um, you mentioned this, and this is I wanted to tie this in. Uh, Total Recall was one of the last major Hollywood blockbusters to make a large scale use of miniature effects as opposed to CGI, and at the same time was also one of the first major Hollywood blood 
blockbusters to use CGI mainly for scenes involving the X-ray and have it look mm-hmm. photoreal. Mm-hmm. So those are two notable things from that. Um, do you know what? So you know when he breaks the bones after his visit to recall, he gets in that fight mm-hmm. in subway system. The sounds mm-hmm. of the bones breaking are made from twisting celery. Oh, okay. So, <laughs> and, and hearing it, and hearing it uh, snap. That's so. a creative um, use of sound effects. I, I love when you hear that. You know, like mm-hmm. laser fighting in Star Wars is like the, the ping of one of those tension wires for. Yeah. You know, electric. So I think that's always fun. Mm-hmm. So that's it. That's it for the trivia. So not not too hard. Mm-hmm. But well, uh, we do have some listener feedback, and this comes from JP Harvey, who wrote in and gave his thoughts about uh, Total Recall. And so I'm going to read part of it. In fact, Miles, why don't you read the first two paragraphs, and we'll talk about it, and then we'll. It's pretty long here, and we'll kind of break it up. Uh, Scott Miles, I, I enjoyed rewinding Total Recall, especially after also rereading the original story by Philip K. Dick. The movie certainly embellished the original short story, as, as Hollywood often does, but overall it preserved well the element of uh, the unknown found in the original. The best thing for me about the movie was that the viewer is left to decide on, on his or her own whether the events in the movie are real or false memories, setting up the tension that runs uh, through the entire film. Was Quaid originally quail in the short story actually having a total recall events he lived after the procedure he paid for went bad or were we watching a live through the implanted memories he chose at recall and the, the schizoid embolism he suffered was part of the false memories the debate still rages today supposedly even the director never knew for sure and actress sharon stone complained that she never really knew if her character was actually married to quaid you know i didn't actually think about it till you mentioned that that the entire movie might be a fabric- fabrication of his mind yeah that, i would be upset if that, <laughs> if, that, if that was the case so i was you know that would be upset. it's a little bit like fringe oh well the entire season of four of fringe didn't really happen right <laughs> um, <laughs> so while some say the whole movie is given away by statements various characters make, the viewers uh, still don't know if, if what we see is a real or implement memory. Some examples of these giveaways are Bob McLean tells Quaid, while it recall, trust me, if you'll get the girl, kill the bad guys, and save the entire planet. Dr. Lowell tosses uh, Ernie a computer chip. Ernie says, that's a new one. Blue sky on Mars. Quaid threatens uh, Dr. Uh, Edgemer in the Hilton, as Edgemer argues with Quaid, he basically tells us the rest of the movie's storyline. Some people don't like this aspect of the film. I think it amplifies the uncertainty. IMDb states, uh, director Verhoeven points out that if a viewer believes the whole film is a dream, that Edgemer's uh, prediction of Quaid will end up uh, lobotomized is, is fulfilled in the face to which ends the movie. Speaking of schizoid embolism, uh, words and phrases like that are, are typical of Philip K. Dick. In the uh, original short story, he also made reference to a drug used by Recall called a Narcodrine and a device called a, a cephalic transmitter used to monitor thoughts. I think Dick is gifted in this regard, often impl- coming up with uh, fictional drugs and devices and using them in stories in a way that the reader just accepts them rather than stumbling over them. The only part of the movie that makes it difficult for me to suspend disbelief the amount of time Quaid and Melina suffer through a lack of atmosphere outside the dome. Their faces severely uh, disend, eyes bulge, etc., but they don't die. As the atmosphere is generated, their faces return to normal with no residual trauma or marks. For me, the only True. way... True. Yes. <laughs> that's another thing that stretches credulity. 
I mean, the only way to accept this as anything other than a major special effects goof is to take that the scene as a strong indication that the entire movie is actually an implanted or unreal memory. Uh, in fact, this is what I think and personally believe the, t- the film was a dream. Can we stop there just for a moment? Sure. Uh, Jim, any, any comment on what J- uh, JP is saying here? Uh, yeah, I, yeah. The, uh, the amount of time they spent uh, outside the dome without the air, that was very unrealistic. Uh, maybe just a show of special effects there. You know, uh, look what we can do. Right, right. Yeah. What about this whole idea that the entire movie is a dream? Well, and see, that's just it. Uh, is it or isn't it? And in my mind, after watching it, uh, no. He he went to recall. He got messed up. And, and he did live this. Uh, that's in my mind. Another person could have another opinion for other reasons, and uh, they'd be completely valid in it. Yeah, and perhaps this is what makes it a good movie, the fact that you're able to come away and come from come away with two different perspectives, and you're probably able to support them. I'd have to agree with that. Yeah, yeah that's it's not chiseled in stone whether yeah. it's – I just accept it as it was. I didn't even think about the whole movie being yeah. a dream, so – that's kind of cool. Go ahead. Continue on. His, his email continues. My favorite line was, Quaid says, open your mind. By the way, a similar debate quietly raged for many years after another movie based on a Philip K. Dick story, Blade Runner, based on Do Androids Dream of Electric Sheep? The dilemma was Deckard actually replicant. What do you guys think? I'll hold my opinion for now. If you're like me and enjoy these movies, that leaves you to decide what's real and what isn't. Take a look at the uh, 13th floor um, um, existence existence, and uh, Vanilla Sky. There are other others as well, but these are some of my favorites. JP. Yeah. 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 No, those are all good movies. I actually haven't seen I – th- I saw 13th Floor, but it's been a while. And Vanilla Sky – I did see these at one time. But, mm-hmm. but, I haven't seen them. Yeah. I, so any, any other thoughts on what JP said, Jim? No, I I completely agree with him. It's up in the air. Yeah, JB did write in at another time talking about we were ta- talking about how closely does this new movie that Colin Farrell's in, um, how essential is Mars to the story of Total Recall? Mm-hmm. And he said Mars is central to the original Phil K. Dick story Total Recall, um, based on we can remember it for you wholesale. You don't necessarily have to go to Mars, but Quail's apparent memories of his activities on Mars are definitely central to the story. I don't see how the new movie can stick to the original story without Mars unless they make the memory revolve around another equally equivalently set of exotic activities in equally exotic place like Mars. I'm being vague to avoid spoilers. He said the original story is only about 36 pages and probably is worth grabbing and reading it for yourself. JP. Hmm. But mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. So, uh, and that was about it. That's about it. As far as comments go. Mm-hmm. Um, any other thoughts before we uh, wrap this up? No, I thought we did a pretty good job taking the movie apart, and um, yeah, it was it was fun watching it again. It was it was a great watch again. How about for you, Jim? Any uh, any final parting thoughts before we uh, wrap up? Mm, uh, well, just a few. Uh, Roy Brocksmith, this uh, Miles. Yes, Roy Bro- Roy Brocksmith appeared in uh, Star Trek. Is what character? Um, I, I, the actor. 
The actor's name is Roy Brocksmith. He was the uh, head recall guy, the one that Arnold Schwarzenegger killed in the Hilton. Okay. Um, it's not coming to me. I'd have to, I, I, I'd have to cheat and do some research. <laughs> he was the uh, Cole Rami, the one that played that game with Data. Oh, oh, him. Yes. Okay. Now, now it's coming back. Coming to me. Yeah. Yeah. He. He was. You're right. He was the uh, Zach Dorn. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's it. And then uh, Michael Champion. He was uh, Richter's sidekick, and he was in uh, Next Generation as Baratus the Vorgon. Oh, okay. So, so a lot of Star then, Trek alumni in here. And then one, one other one, Robert Costanzo, who was the uh, other guy running the jackhammer, was Slade Bender in the uh, Next Generation of Manhunt in the second season. He was now, a holiday character. Has to be related to George Costanzo. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, other than that, no, I uh, I thought it was a it was a, a, a fun movie to watch. Um, once I finally got all the way through it and um, brought back some memories. And and for the time that it was made, uh, I would have to say that it was a it was well worth uh, the the uh, money that it made. And the awards that it won. I would have to agree. Mm-hmm. And it's mm-hmm. definitely worth watching. If you haven't watched it yet, it's definitely worth watching. And it'll be interesting to see how this movie compares to the new one that's coming out, certainly. So Yeah, it'll be interesting to see how the new one is received. Mm-hmm. Well, thank you so much for uh, joining us tonight, guys. And, Jim, thank you so much for hopping on and talking Total Recall with us and dissecting it and geeking out on it a little bit. No, I had a blast. Yeah, so very good. And uh, Miles, thank you again for being here and talking Total Recall. We have Logan's Run next. Uh, I'm looking forward. Michael York is now one. That's a Michael York movie, isn't right, it? Right. So uh, you know, good old Austin Powers guy. And <laughs> I know him as Tybalt from uh, Tybalt from uh, Romeo and Juliet, the Zeffirelli version of Shakespeare's mm-hmm. play, Romeo and Juliet. But yeah. That's going back some. That is going back some, and uh, he's aged <laughs> quite a bit. But uh, Michael York in Logan's Run, so I'm looking forward to, re- to actually watching that again. That'll be our next rewind. And thank you guys so much for joining us, listeners, for joining us on this rewind. And let us know your thoughts. If we did not mention anything that if we if we did not mention stuff that you wanted us to mention or thought we should have mentioned, let us know. We're always open to finding out more about the movie than we thought. So thank you so much, and I believe that's it. Until next time, good night and good luck. We will see ya. Kapla.